for them as they make their way out. Love watching them run out excited to go and learn about Jesus. Don't you guys love that? So much fun. Glad you guys are here tonight. How's everybody doing? How many of you guys took advantage of the weather? Let's be honest right now. You went outside today, right? How many of you stayed inside today? Shame on you. You missed a great day. It was awesome outside. It was so funny this morning. I was getting ready, and I went to the closet, and I grabbed my shoes, right? I grabbed my good old favorite chucks, and I went to pull them down, and I was like, what am I doing? I have flip-flops, right? So I threw those suckers back in the closet, grabbed the flip-flops, and been wearing those things today, so it's been awesome. Might just commit, right, and just wear them from now on, right? Snow or anything, I don't care, right? Right? So uh, excited to be here tonight. We're continuing our sermon series called Kingdom. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 again in verse 33. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in the Word of God, that would be awesome if you want to do that. Um, and uh, we're going to jump into this here in just a minute. So TJ, dude, it's so awesome seeing you here, bud. Dude, me and this guy, we've known each other since high school. Who would have ever thought that we'd be in the same building this many years later, both of us in ministry loving Jesus, married, kids, successful. That's crazy, right? So good. Jesus can use anybody, I'm telling you, and TJ's proof of that. So... Man, good stuff. So we've been in our Kingdom series. And uh, just, uh, we've been walking through this as a fun series of just walking through the parables that Jesus spoke of the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus, how are you doing after your race today? Yeah? Jesus ran a race today. I got a text. I got a text from one of our uh, leaders from the uh, uh, Williamsburg campus, and they're just like, hey, here's a picture of Juice at mile, mile seven, and he's keeping a seven and a half minute pace right now. And I was like, that's just nasty. <laughs> this is nasty, but dude, that's awesome. Good job right there. Sorry. All right, little ADD moment. Apologize about that. So the Kingdom series, um, we've been walking through this and just taking a few minutes, uh, taking a few weeks just to say, what is the Kingdom of Heaven like? What did Jesus speak of the Kingdom of Heaven? What does it mean for us? How can we take some uh, things from this and apply them to our life? How does it change our life? How does it speak to us and, and, and give us a boldness to walk out the life that God's given us to live through his Holy Spirit? And so we walked through in the first week, we talked about the Kingdom of Consequence. And so we went through and just talked about the reality that, that Jesus came to speak to the reality of what is taking place here on earth, that he coming to earth was him bringing his kingdom to earth, that his rule and reign was now present and he is coming to rule on earth, that he is issuing in the kingdom of heaven and that heaven is taking control of things. And with that, there is a consequence. There's a consequence for our unbelief that if we choose to not follow Jesus, if we choose to not submit our lives to Jesus Christ, that there is a consequence for that, and that consequence is hell. But just as well as there's a consequence for our unbelief, there's a consequence for our belief that if we choose to believe Jesus and submit to him as our Lord and Savior and, and, and give our lives to him and receive salvation through him, that there's a consequence for our belief that we are able to now live the life that God is destined for us, that we're able to now experience the heaven that is here on earth through Jesus Christ, that we are able to walk out in his grace and his goodness what he's got set out for us, and that is this rich, abundant life that we talk about that is heaven now and heaven forever. 
And so we talked about this, and we talked about the idea that with this consequence, it shows that there's a present reality of God's kingdom, and there's a future reality of his kingdom. That his kingdom is now, and his kingdom is going to come. And so in that, we see the authority of Jesus Christ. We see that he comes to take control now, and he comes to claim those that are his and that which is his, and set himself up as king. And he issues this in authority, in absolute authority, and he speaks truth, and he sets himself up as absolute truth. And that he has the right to speak into our lives, and not only the right just to speak into our lives, but he has the right to demand of us. He has the right to command of us to live for him and to give him everything. That he's not a God that says, I want to come and walk alongside you, but I'm a God who wants to take complete control of you and walk with you in your life. And he's come and he's done it in absolute authority. And then we moved on from there and we talked in last week and, and went into the idea of the kingdom of growth. That when we submit to the reality that there is a choice that God has given us to either follow him or to follow our own ways, and we suffer those consequences, whether it be consequence of unbelief or the consequence of belief, that when we submit to him and we submit to his authority, that his kingdom is a kingdom of growth. It is a kingdom that flourishes. It's a kingdom that provides all sustenance. It's a kingdom that provides all hope and joy. It's a kingdom that provides peace. It's a kingdom that flourishes, that grows in our hearts, a kingdom that's going to grow in this world. It's a kingdom that will be what God has intended it to be. That he set it in motion, and what he has planned to have happen is going to happen. Because he is God, he is sovereign, and all things that he's wanting to work out and that he set in motion are going to take place, and his kingdom's going to grow as he's intended it to grow. And so then we come into this week, we come into Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33, where Jesus begins to speak to us again the idea and reaffirms us the idea of growth, but he speaks to it in, the mash, in, in this passage that growth comes through influence. And so that's where we are tonight, and that's where we're going to be, and um, I have a little longer than 20 minutes tonight, and I feel like I didn't get enough time with you last week, so we're going to go extra long tonight and have two services. All right, is that good? Is that good? So here, here's something that we're going to do. Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this, and so kind of help illustrate this uh, message tonight and this idea tonight of influence. Um, I'm going to ask for some help. I'm going to ask for some help, all right? And the first guy, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. I've already talked to him, so he's got a heads up. But there's one of you in this room that's going to be selected in a moment. You don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Only Jesus does. So we're going to see what's going to happen. But I'm going to have Ma Mr. Malcolm. Mr. Malcolm's going to come up here. I was thinking about doing this illustration, and I said, man, I need the best-looking dude in the room, right? <laughs> no, no, I said best, best. So for the next guy, for the opposite, I already know who, uh, never mind. So, um, so, so I got Malcolm right here. So here's what Malcolm's going to help me do, right? So, I mean, he's a good-looking guy. I mean, whenever you go, and like, I always, when I come up to Malcolm, I don't know why, but I just can't help it. It's insecurity, right? When you're, you're drawn to your own insecurities, right? So whenever I go to Malcolm, I always grab his arms like this, right? <laughs> right? 
Because I think of my own arms and I just, I'm insecure, so I have to acknowledge my insecurity in, in his masculinity. So Malcolm is a good looking guy, he's a strong guy, he is a representation of masculinity right here, right? right? Are you feeling affirmed right now? Are you feeling good? All right? Good. All right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you needed this. God chose this moment for you, right? So I've asked Malcolm, I said, Malcolm, all right, here's what I need you to do. All right, you're going to be my, my, my coach, right? You're going to be, I, I've got this team that I want to develop, right? And Malcolm is, I mean, he's a stud, right? I mean, this guy, I would pick him to do anything, right? No matter what sport I was going to play, even if it was putt-putt, I would want Malcolm on my team, <laughs> all right? Because there's always chance that putt-putt could get physical, all right? So <laughs> if you're doing it right, I'm just saying. So Malcolm's going to be the guy that I want on my team no matter what. And I've asked Malcolm, I said, Malcolm, with your keen insight, I want you to pick three people that would help you form the most dominant team that you possibly could pick. So I want you to find three people in this audience right now. This is the limitation to pick your team. Three people that you can help build the strongest team that you could possibly build for any sport. All right, so he picked Cam. Corey? Cord, Cord? I think you said Corey. All right. All right, so we've got JJ, Cord, and Cam, and Malcolm. Now, how many of you guys would say this right here is a strong team? Right? I mean, come on, right? Right? All right? All right? What's your sport of choice? What's your sport of choice? Football? All right, so would this be, all right, look at this guy right here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Can't even help it. He's walking out like this. I can't even help it. Jeez. So, all right, so this right here, all right, so we're saying, all right, football, right? This is their team of choice right here, right? They're going to dominate. They're going to, how many guys would say, I want to compete against this team? How many would say, all right? Yeah, all right. There's some of you guys that are like, yeah, I got this. I got this. All right. All right, so here we go. All right, all right, this whole team come stand over here. This whole team come stand over here. All right, here we go. All right, so here's what we're going to do for the next one. We've got to have a team that's opposing them, all right? So here's what we're going to do to pick this team. Here's what we're going to do is pick this team. I'm a little bit nervous about this one right now because I'm not going to lie. My lunch is not settling well with me, and my stomach's a little upset. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to spin, and then I'm going to point. And if at any point I vomit, I apologize. All right, here we go. Ready? So I'm just going to spin just a little bit, just enough to stop losing uh, control of where I'm at in the room, all right? I'm going to stop, and I'm going to spin, and I'm going to point. And whoever I point at is going to be my next coach. You guys good with me? You good with me? You following me? Are you guys enjoying watching me spin? Because I'm getting ready to fall. All right, here we go. Right? (laughs) All right, there we go. All right, here we go. Right here. I'm dizzy. All right, right here. Yeah, you come on up. All right? What's up? What's up? All right. What's your name? Emmanuel. Emmanuel? All right, Emmanuel. He's a good-looking guy right here, too. All right, here we go. All right, so Emmanuel. So I just randomly just spun around. We haven't talked, right? Have we even met before? All right, there we go. All right. So I just spun around and randomly picked Emmanuel, all right? So Malcolm had the choice to pick the best people in the room that he felt would build his team, right? So now there's still some people out here that think they can beat this team, right? But you don't know what you're going to do because the way that I just selected you, you're going to have to select your team, all right? So I need you to spin. You don't have to spin as much as I do, all right? Just spin around, and I want you to point wherever you point. Whoever you land on, that person is going to be on your team. Ready? Here we go. Ready? 
You gotta close your eyes. All right, 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 all right. Point. All right, who are you pointing at? Who are you pointing at? Just land on somebody right there. Blue shirt, blue shirt. Yes. All right, blue shirt right here. Here we go. All right, do it again. Here we go. Do it again. Do it again. Spin, 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 spin. All right, all right, point. All right, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you got? Where you got? Tim? Let's go, Tim. Ready, Tim? All right. All right. All right, let's do it again. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right, one more, one more, one more, one more. All right, where are we going to go? Pointing back. Oh, you're way better at this. Who are you pointing at back? I can't even see back there. Who you want? Who you, want? Who you landing at? Rusty. All right, right. Come on up here. All right. All right, so real quick, let me ask you. Do you play football? You play football? Awesome. How long have you played football? Two years? Do you play football? Played in high school. Played in high school? All right. Do you play football? Do you play football? European. European? <laughs> oh, man. All right. We're in America. All right. All right. So listen, all right, so we've got some experience right here, all right, some experience, right? Now, if we were just look, no judgment on you guys, whatever else, you guys have played or whatever else, all right? How many, most, if you're sitting there, unless you're like, you know, a New England Patriots fan or something like that, right? You wouldn't probably approach building a team like this, right, Nate? I had to, you know I had to. You probably wouldn't approach building a team this way, would you? Right? Right? No slam on them, whatever else. You would probably take the approach that Malcolm took right here, Right? Right? This way would probably not be the way that we would go to build a team that would be successful, influential, and make a difference and win any sport that we're looking to win, right? But this team would, right? This makes sense to us, right? All right, sweet. Give it up for them. Thank you guys so much. I just had a thought. I should have made that really climactic and awesome and made just an epic moment, had music, made the lights come down, and put a paper football right here, right? <laughs> and made them play paper football. That would have been awesome. Man. All right. By the way, when I look at these right here, don't forget, tonight we've got the bake sale going on for RC. Helping people go to camp, right? Helping students go to camp. Buy some baked goods tonight. These things are awesome right here. Thanks so much for helping out. There we go. And we got to help out my boy right here. All right, Emmanuel. Thanks so much. All right. So here's the deal. Here's the deal when we go through and we look at this reality of what Jesus is talking about. He says, I'm, I'm coming and I'm building this kingdom. And he's going through and he's talking about what this kingdom of heaven is like. And he's speaking to a group of people that have an idea and a perception of what things are going to be. And Jesus is coming and he's intentionally choosing the words that he chooses. He's intentionally doing what he's doing to show them what his intention has always been. From the beginning of time, God has had a plan and that plan is coming to fruition. And Jesus is saying, open your eyes. I want you to see what I'm doing. I want you to see what's taking place. And this is where we're at, Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. 
This is the New Living Translation. It's a more modern translation. And a lot of the more modern translations, the New Living Translation, the NIV and the Message and a couple others, they'll use the word yeast. Other translations, the English Standard Version, others will use the word leaven. The word that is here and that would probably be the most accurate would be leaven because speaking to them in their time, they wouldn't understand the idea of yeast because they didn't have the understanding of microbiology that I was getting ready to say that we do now, but that some of us do now. (laughs) I don't even understand microbiology and all those things, but some of us have an understanding of that, and they wouldn't even have a concept of that. To them at that time, the idea of bread rising and the idea that it was a mystery to them, they had no clue how it worked, why it worked. It was just something that happened. They always had flat bread. Somebody left the flat, flat, bread, flat bread out at the right time, at the right temperature, at the right place, and all of a sudden something happened and somebody said, huh, right? And right, that's how it happened, right? And so, so they didn't understand it was a mystery to it. It didn't make sense to them. And it was something that they had to work at, and it was something that they had to do. For us, the idea of yeast is a packet, right? It's a packet that we can just grab at any point. You can keep it in your cupboard for a week, a year, whatever, and and you just take it. Whenever you need it, you're going to make some bread. You put it in there, right? And for some of us, that's even foreign to us because we're like, no, I just go to Food Lion and buy a loaf of bread, right? (laughs) So, So for them, they had to work at it, this leaven, was, was a process of, of going through and creating this fermented process where basically they would take it and put this fermented dough and they would put it into existing dough and then that would become leavened dough. And then as they took a small portion of that and put that into their dough and they started to knead it in there, it would spread through the entirety of the dough that was there and then that dough would begin to rise. It was a mystery to them. It didn't make sense to them. They didn't understand why it happened. But when Jesus was speaking to them, they understood exactly what he was talking about. Because in every single home, this was something that was needed for them. And this was a daily process for the women in the house. This was an understanding for everyone from a child all the way up to the oldest in the home. That this idea of leaven, that you take this small portion of something that is living And you put it into something that's not living, and as you work it in there, it becomes living. They understood it. They knew it. It made sense to them. So Jesus is speaking to them in a language that they understand, and he's further explaining and further opening their minds to the idea that his is a kingdom of growth. And it's a kingdom that grows and grows. It's a kingdom that's going to develop, that his kingdom is a process, and it's a process that is beyond our efforts. And he's explaining to them and speaking to them that the kingdom of heaven will be successful and its rule and reign will be seen and felt through all of the world. That as he is now speaking the gospel and preaching the truth to them, that it will start small, but it will continue to build and build and it will be felt to the ends of the earth. And this is what he's speaking to them. Let's pray real quick and we'll jump into our main points. God, we just pray that over the next few minutes, God, that you will speak to us that you will help us tonight to hear from you. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak and that you will open our hearts and open our eyes and our ears, God, and to hear your truth. God, that you will find us where we are and God, that we will encounter you. And tonight, we will not just hear words spoken by a man, but God, tonight, we will hear words spoken by the one true living God who loves us and wants to invade our world, wants to influence us change us to live the life that he's given us to live. 
God, we thank you for that. And I thank you that I'm wearing flip-flops. And I pray that I can do it for another several months. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So tonight, as we talk about this kingdom of influence, the first point tonight that we want to look at is one that's kind of a continuation from last week. But the first point is this, is the kingdom of influence starts small, but it influences everything. The kingdom of influence starts small. The kingdom of heaven starts small. The idea of leaven, they would take a small piece Whenever they were making dough and they were preparing bread, they would knead all of the, the, the existing leavened bread or dough into the dough and they, they would work it and work it and they would form their loaves and they would take a small portion of one of those and put it off to the side and preserve it, care for it so that they could tomorrow make more bread. And so it starts small. It's just a small portion and no matter how much you put it in, you take what is needed for the portion of dough that you want, and you put it in there and work it, and it does its magic. It's the same thing for us. Jesus is speaking to us, and he says, in your life, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's like leavened bread. It starts small. You know, for you and me, it's just simply, it starts here in our walk with God. It just starts at this place of, Jesus, I believe that's where it starts. It starts small. When somebody comes up to you and you're, you're first in your faith, maybe even now at this point, for some of us, they come up to you, explain the Trinity to me, and you're like, I have no clue. That doesn't make you any less of a Christian, doesn't make you any less of a follower of Christ, but you say, I know one thing, Jesus has changed my life. That's where it starts, and that's what we need to know, and if we hold on to that, we begin to grow into the things that God wants us to have. The, the church, it started small. It started with a man named Jesus who came and he grabbed a bunch of people and, and started to speak to them and whittled that down to a smaller circle and, and got them crazy enough to believe that they could do something because of what he had done. And they stepped out as a small group of men and quickly a small group of men began to grow the church and the kingdom that God had established and set for it out to be. It started small. For us here in this church, right, a number of years ago, a small group of people came and said, let's start the City Life Church in Newport News, right? It started small, and it's grown to be what it's going to be, and we believe that one day our influence will be bigger than it is now, and we look at what it is now and say, wow, that was small then, but who knows what it'll be. It starts small, but it influences everything. The kingdom of heaven influences everything. And for us to pull it back to us and our practical lives, how we live out our lives, one of the things that we need to look at and just understand is, is that the kingdom of heaven, if it's a kingdom of growth, is that it grows, it continually grows, it's going to be what God's intended it to be. And if it's a kingdom of influence, then the kingdom of God, when Jesus is ruling and reigning in our hearts, when we've choose, chosen to believe in him and surrender to his authority, that he is everything. And that that gospel is not just a gospel that can lay dormant in our hearts. That truth is not just something that we can say, I believe and leave it there. Because listen, the gospel that stops with you is the wrong gospel. You have received a gospel of influence. You've received the truth. You've received God coming to earth. God coming to speak to you and say, listen, I want to give you life. And this life that I want to give you is me. And when you take me and you take the portion of me that I give to you, no matter what it is, where it is, but you say, Jesus, I believe it's one that changes you. It's one that affects every area of your life. It's one that moves into every 
place and every spot. If I talk to somebody and they say, man, this is where I've been now, you know, where I am now is where I've been with God for the past 10 years. I'm like, man, we've got some serious questions to talk about. Because you can't just be in God's presence and you can't have Jesus, the life source of the entire universe in your heart and be the same. It starts small, but it influences everything. Man, it moves into every area of your life and Jesus takes control of it as he massages the truth into your life. As he speaks to you, he invades every part of you and there's nothing that he doesn't take captive when he is your king when he's your Lord. So it starts small and it influences everything. And so here's the thing that we've got to get tonight, this first principle of if this is true, then here's what we've got to understand. Is that because it's something that starts small and it influences everything, we've got to understand this, is that we have something to give because he gave someone for us. If we go back to our illustration of our team that's up here, and we're picking our teams. See, the Jews of the time that Jesus is speaking to, this is over here, speaking of Malcolm's team, this is the idea of how they understood God coming back to earth. This is the idea that they had of God coming back and the Messiah ruling and reigning, that he was going to come and he was going to say, you're the best Jew, you know the scriptures the best, you follow the law to the T, you're on my team, and we're going to go take the Romans out. And we're going to start building this kingdom now, we're going to start building the palaces now, and you're going to have a place in this kingdom. That was their understanding of what the Messiah was going to do. But this Jesus comes on the scene, and he comes from a place where nobody knew, right? And he comes as a man that nobody understood, and he's claiming things that were so contradictory to what they understood. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is over there just going, you, follow me, right? And the Jews, the religious people at the time, they're like, what is this dude doing? This doesn't make sense. I don't understand what's taking place. And people that used to just sit there and think, hey, you know what? I'm a Jew by birth, and I don't understand all of the scriptures. And I'm a Jew by birth, and I believe because of that, I I am God's child, but I I don't do the things that I'm supposed to do. I I don't follow things perfectly, and I struggle with these things. And because of that, I I live in this village, and I live in this small home, and I I just kind of do what I do. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm just going to, from a distance, I'm just going to watch whatever God does. They viewed themselves, and everybody else, especially those that were on the team, viewed themselves as spectators of what God was doing. But Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, I want those of you that think you're just spectators, that's going to watch what God's going to do. I want you. I want you. I want you on my team. He's just randomly picking people. and like, you know who that guy is? Do you know what he's done? There's no way anybody's going to listen to you. Man, if your followers all look like that, what kind of influence do you think you're going to have? And Jesus says, the influence that I want to have. The influence that I've intended to have. Because I want to come in and I want to build the kingdom that I've intended from the beginning of time. And those that are mine, I'm making them mine. And those that want me and want the life that I have to give are going to get it. And I'm going to build my kingdom. It's going to grow. And those people that thought they didn't have influence are going to become the most influential people in the world. Those people that were just thought of as spectators 
Those people that were looked down upon, those are going to be the people that build the kingdom of God that I've been planning from the beginning of time. Man, isn't that fun to think about? Isn't that fun to think about? And it's only possible, not because of what the people did, not because there's people standing off in the distance saying, you know what, I hope that's what Jesus did. They had no clue what Jesus would do. They had no idea that that's what God was going to do and his intention. It says in Scripture that it was hidden from them, right? They had no clue what he was going to do. They had no clue that he was going to start bringing people in outside of Israel. Like, it made no sense to them that this guy would come and start doing this and that that was actually God building his kingdom. It made no sense to them. But they started to see that God has a plan and that they have something to give because God gave someone for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave up all, gave up, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Can you guys say those last two words with me? All things. Listen, he gave us something to give because he gave us someone. Man, because Jesus came to earth and did what we could not do. Because Jesus came to earth as a human and lived the life that we could not live and died the death we could not die and bore the punishment that we could not bear, he has made it possible. And he's not only made it possible for us to live for God, but he's given us all things on top of that. So in his free goodness, in his grace, he's given us salvation through Jesus Christ. Where before we didn't have a guarantee or a promise or a way to enter into relationship with God, we couldn't manage it, we couldn't do it. God says, I'm going to give that to you free. I'm going to give you faith free. I'm going to give you the ability to come and repent free. I'm going to give you all of these free. I'm going to bless you. And not only am I just going to say, oh, it's possible, you know what, you could find Jesus. No, I'm going to say, All you have to do is believe in him and say, God, I am yours, and I believe in what he's done, and I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you salvation and life. It's yours, and I'm going to heap it upon you. I'm going to just bury you in it. That's the grace that he's given us. And he doesn't stop there. Because he gives us his son, and he gives us life through Jesus Christ. And scripture says, and how much more? Is he going to give us all things? What are these all things? He's going to give us all things. He's going to give us all of our temporal goods and needful things. Things for convenience of life. Things for the needs of life. He's going to give us all of those things in the same measure. He gives to us freely and he gives us things out of, our, out of his grace and out of his goodness. He gives us all things. Listen, we have something to give because he gave us someone. So the next point for tonight is, is because he gave someone, we have something to give. Because he gave us someone, we have something to give. Here, in the, here we look at this and we see Jesus speaking to people who were spectators, who were off in the distance saying, I don't have anything. 
I'm just waiting for something to happen so I can kind of be brought in in the vacuum of this Messiah coming on in the scene. And Jesus is saying, now listen, I have come to give you life and I've come to give you purpose and I've come to give you hope. And in giving you those things, I'm giving you something to give. I'm coming to influence this world and I'm coming to show this world that God has a plan and a purpose. And I'm coming to show this world that I am king, that I rule and reign and that all things are under under my dominion, and I'm going to work through you. You who thought you were a spectator, you who thought you didn't have anything to give, I'm going to build my kingdom through you. And you're going to have influence in this world, and you're going to have influence in your workplace, and you're going to have influence, and you're going to help build kingdoms and help do these things, not because of what you have in talents or gifts or abilities of your own, but because you're going to find the true talents the true gifts. You're going to find the true life that I have for you and me. And you're going to see what I've truly given you to give to others. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Listen, he's given us all kinds of gifts. He's given us the gift of his grace, which is salvation given to us freely. He's given it to us. He's lavished his love on us through Jesus Christ. And on beyond that, he's given us ministerial gifts. He's given us abilities and gifts to be used in the church for building up his kingdom through the church. The church today is God's plan. It is a, it is a reality of his kingdom. It is a showing of his kingdom. And the church is here for each one of us to know who we are in God and to use the gifts that he's given us to minister to each other. He's given us talents and gifts and abilities, not just for you to find your fulfillment in God, because he wants you to find your fulfillment in Jesus. He wants you to find your gifts and abilities, not for your benefit, for the benefit of others. And as you say, I'm going to live my life for his glory, and I'm going to live my life for his benefit. I'm going to take these gifts that he's given me, and I'm going to use them in the church to build up other people so that they look to Jesus, and they see the gift that I see of Jesus Christ. I'm going to know more of who God is. And I'm using this influence that he's given me, this, this leavened dough that he's taken and he's put into my dead body and he's worked life into it. I'm going to take that and I'm going to take what I've been given and I'm going to give it away so that his kingdom grows. The influences he's given me is Jesus. I can't communicate to you your need for Jesus. Only he can do that. But I can communicate to you who I know Jesus to be to me. And I do that through my gifts in the church. And beyond that, I do that in the gifts of what he's given me in this world. If he's given me a job, it's a job that God has given me. Right? Even as a server right now, working at a restaurant where I had a bunch of cranky people come through last night who tipped awful. That's God's grace. He's given me that job, and he's put me there for his glory. God has purposes beyond my imagination as to why he's got me there. And I can look at that, and I can say, you know what? This, there's something I did wrong. This is a punishment. Or I can look at it, and I say, no, God's got me there for something for his glory, and I'm going to live it out, and I'm going to influence where I'm at in this sphere for God. And if I live that way, then I begin to understand what I have differently 
If God's blessed you with an incredible home, cherish that home, be proud of that home, but not because you've earned it, but because God's given it to you. And he's given it to you to influence this world and to influence your community and influence this church for the glory of God. Your income, your finances that he's given you. Oh, no, I knew he was going there, right? Your income, your finances that he's given you. He's given you them as a gift. It's his grace that has given you what you make. No matter what size it is, if it's enough in your mind or if it's more than enough. If it's not even close to enough, God, in his goodness, in his grace, he's given you what you have as a gift. And if you say, I'm going to take this and what he's given me, I'm going to take care of my needs, and I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my stuff, and I'm going to be frugal with it. But instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to live this life saying, I've got what I've got, and I'm going to give God what I can, I'm going to go through and say, everything I have is his. And everything I have is his. Yeah, he cares about my needs. And you know what? Yeah, he wants to bless me. And yeah, he wants me to have some stuff. Because he wants me to know his goodness and his mercy. And he knows my heart. And he knows that I'm human. So he's going to do that stuff. And he's, gonna, it's, he's okay with that. But he's okay with it when, he said, when we're standing in a place and saying, everything I've got is yours. Everything I've got is yours. God, I'm surrendering to you. You've given me this income. You've given me whatever you've given me to not only care for me, but for me to take that and influence the world that I have for your glory. And so for us as a church, one of the main ways that we do that is we do that through tithe. And we, we, we take up offering every week. And, and for us as a church, and, and just so you know, I'm not going to be able to go as deep into this as I want to. Pastor Fred tomorrow, I've read his notes, they're phenomenal. And just because I want to boost my numbers tomorrow, come to Waynesburg. All right. Because <laughs> he's going to be speaking there tomorrow. But tithing is what we do here in the church. We believe. And if you have become on, if you've come onto leadership and we talk about this with you as you go through the Barnabas mandate. And we talk about these responsibilities that we have at church. But us giving to the church and us taking time to do that is not just so that we can say, okay, this is something that God demands of me. This is God, something that God expects of me. But we say this is worship. This is me saying this is something God's given me for me to take. Not as to say, okay, this is an obligation, but this is a blessing. That I get to use this, what he's given me, for his glory, for people to know Jesus. And so we take up an offering, and so I know there's a massive discussion nowadays on the issue of tithing. And truly, I really think the discussion, it always boils down to, no matter what your scriptural debates are and all those different types of things, what it always boils down to for me is it's not about whether or not we're supposed to tithe or not in the New Testament compared to the Old Testament and what a tithe is and all that stuff. It's your, it's your recognition that everything you have is God's. Everything you have is God's. Everything that you have. Now, as we walk through Scripture and we look at that, we do as a church, we believe that you give to the church locally. And we believe that it, that's just the culture of, of here. And even this week, Pastor Fred and I have been talking about, is the tithe supposed to go to a church? You know what? As a, we just want you to know as a leader, we're open to exploring Scripture and looking. What does God say? What does our understanding? We want our understanding to continue to grow. But as a church, we believe that God's brought us together to say, you know what? As I give my money to influence the kingdom, as I say this is a gift that he's given me, I'm going to take it to build his kingdom that when we give it to a church locally, which for us is the body of City Life Church, that God's going to work through that to build his kingdom, to influence this community so that people may know the true life, 
this heaven now, heaven forever life of Jesus Christ. This abundantly rich and good, amazing life of God. That no matter what your circumstances are, they don't dictate the life that you're living. Jesus does. And so we believe that tithing is something that we're going to do. And there's a couple things just so you know, just to get you thinking and, and just to further get some scriptures. And tomorrow when you're at Williamsburg, you can hear even greater teaching on this. But a tithe is a percentage-driven thing. So for you, if you're sitting here today, I honestly believe this. And I, I've said this for a long time. 10% is something that you see in scripture. You see that in the Old Testament. So there's reference a tithe is even references it's a tenth. That's what it is. But for you, if you find yourself in a place, you say, you know what, I just can't do 10% right now. I just can't do it. But you say, God, I want to give you everything I can, and I don't know how. Then you know what? It's percentage-based. You just do what you can. And you say it's 2% right now. It's 2% right now. But work up to 10%. And when you get to 10%, don't stop at 10%. Go to 20%. Right? Because you're submitting to God. And why is finances such a big deal? Man, because it's not about money. It's about our heart. And just being honest with you, as humans, our heart goes towards money, right? And so if we can say money is an issue, God is my issue, and I want to give everything to him, then we live the life that God wants us to live. So it's a percentage-based giving reality. It's priority-based. I want this to be first. I want God to be first in my life. I want him to be known, and I want him to be seen, and I want him to be loved, and that's why I give what I give and it's locally directed as we just talked about. So tonight, as you look at your gifts, you look at where we are as a church, you look at where you are in your relationship with God. The challenge that we want you to get from this tonight's message and what I believe God wants to speak to each one of us tonight is, is that the measure of our influence is determined by the measure of my investment. The measure of my influence is determined by the measure of my investment and my understanding of what I have to invest is solely based on what I know I have been given. And I've been given Jesus Christ, the bread of life, who gives and gives and gives and gives and gives, and it transforms me. The more I take in Jesus, the more I work him into my life, the more I allow the Holy Spirit to knead in the, the truths of the gospel into my heart, the more I become like him and the less I become like me. That it invades every single part of me and that I begin to understand that I have something to give because someone was given for me. That someone is Jesus Christ. And because of my life in Christ, I now know the talents that he's given me, the things that he's given me are not just for me, but they're for his glory. And as I live those things out and I give them freely, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, right? No matter what my talents are, what my gifts are, and as me, I'm just telling you, I'm one of those persons, I've never felt like I've had a talent. I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't clap, I can't do any of those things simultaneously. I'm not good at sports, I can't draw, I can't do art, I can't do any of those things, right? I can't even grow hair, but I do grow beard well. All right, so <laughs> I struggle with it, but God has given me something. God has given me something, and when I found out that it's not for my glory, but for his I begin to live those things out for him, and I find fulfillment and joy and happiness and hope and life in Jesus. Man, his is a kingdom of influence. 
when we embrace Jesus and take him in as our Lord and Savior, he invades every part of your life. It starts small. It's gradual. There's a process that God's okay with. There's a process that God's okay with you going through and figuring things out and working things out. He's okay with you asking questions, and he's okay. But when he's in your life, you can't help but grow. You can't help it because he's the most influential thing. All life, all life is sustained because of Jesus. All life exists because of Jesus. He influences everything. He changes everything. And when you see what he's given you, it's him giving you a gift to influence this world for his glory. It changes how you live. It changes everything about you. So if you will, bow your heads and the worship team, go ahead and make your way up. I just want to read this to you real quick from Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry says this. He says, the nature of Christian's work, which is high work and hard work, the goodness of the master and the excellence of the reward all require that our endeavors should be serious and earnest. And in all the duties and services of life, we should aim at the glory of God as our chief end. What I'm not saying to you tonight is that life in Jesus is easy. What I am saying to you tonight is, is that life lived through Jesus and for Jesus is the life that God has for you. And it's a life of growth. It's a life of influence. It's a life of sacrifice. But it's a life that God has for you. And it is one that is rich and satisfying. It's one that helps you to walk with hope and joy, irregardless of what your circumstances are. You can watch the world crumble around you, and you can say, you know what? He's been good to me then, and he's going to be good to me now. And you walk with truth, and you walk with hope, and you see God working through you, influencing all those around you, that in those moments of pain and hurt and struggle, that people aren't looking at you, they're looking through you, and they're looking at the sustenance of your life. That they're looking deep within you and they see this mysterious thing working. They don't understand what it is. They can't see it. It doesn't make sense, but there's something there. It's changing you and you're becoming something that you couldn't become on your own. My question for you tonight is, is do you know that? Do you know that influential change? Do you know that goodness of God? Do you know Jesus? Has he transformed you? Has he changed you? Have you made a vow of devotion to him that says, you are my king. You are the ultimate authority of this world and you're the ultimate authority of my life and I choose you. When you look at your life, you can see growth and you can see influence. It might be small. It might be faint, but you know that it's there you tonight, you're saying, I don't see it. I thought I've been on the team. 
I thought I was chosen. I've done all the right things. But honestly, even in doing the right things, I've just been spectating. Is it you tonight who says, God couldn't even love me. It's impossible. I've done too much wrong. I can never be on his team. God tonight to the mystery of the universe is pointing to you. He's saying, you're on my team. You're mine. I love you. And I want you to live this life that you can only find through me. So tonight, if that's you, just for your recognition and just for you to say this to me, tonight what I want you to do is I just want you to say in your seat where you are, say, Jesus, that's me. I need you. Being honest and speaking right now, I know, I know that this is me. God, I, I feel you. I sense you pulling me and drawing me and that I need you. That's me. And if you say that, there's incredible people on this side, of, either side of me up here at the stage. And I want you to come and talk to them and say, hey, I just said that's me, that I need Jesus tonight. And we will begin to walk with you and help you to find your place in God's kingdom. Help you find your home in God's kingdom to see this life that you can find in Jesus Christ. And tonight, if you know that you're his, you see that you're his, you know and you feel him to be in your life, you see his growth, you see this influence, you see Jesus present in your life, no matter how small it is. Tonight, as we sing the song, will you stand up and you say, God, it's not about what I can do. It's not about what I have. God, if I've taken those things and I've looked at them as mine and I've looked at them as something precious that I could give you, God, if I looked at them as something that I've earned, God, shift me tonight and help me see that there's something you've given me and help me to see how I can use them to influence those that you've given me an opportunity to know for your glory. God, how can I take these gifts of my talents and how can I take these gifts of my income? How can I take these gifts of salvation? How can I take these things and how can I give them to somebody else? Because I can't hold it in anymore. Because the truth of Jesus is too powerful. The truth of Jesus is too strong. He is too majestic. He is too incredible and loving and powerful. And he's loved you too much. The measure in which he has loved you and the measure in which he's given to you is the measure in which he's asking you to give to others. So stand up tonight and say, God, I can't do it, but I'm willing. I can't do it, but I'm yours. God, I can't do it, but I want it to happen because I want people to know you and see you.